Welcome to a wireframe edition of ARG Presents. I'm your good buddy, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man whom, much like the Virgil Boy, makes me see red. I give you the Brent. You know, Aaron, if we were wireframe, they need a lot of wire. That's right, buddy. Because <laughs> we got we are we are big big bone. That's for darn sure. <laughs> my my uh my son did a, a wire. Th- Remember that big wire face he did? Yeah. Uh, by, back in college. I need to pull that thing out again. That thing was awesome. <clears throat> That's your story? That's it. That's all I got for wireframe. <laughs> Sorry. Chimney <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Moving on. So we, last week, we spun the wheel, and we made the deal. We'll get to that in a moment. But we also made another deal. Brent, why don't you talk about the other deal? Yeah, we're actually filling up a deal. And we have our first recipient of a prize piece on the wheel of uh, prizes for the Dragon's Lair Mini and other mini <clears throat> prizes. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that uh, right, that privilege, that coveted slot goes to Frontier Gibberish. Mm, good he name. Was, he was our randomly selected uh, YouTube comment. So this week, we're, we're switching it up a bit. We are going to be taking two names, not one, two names, and we're going to be pulling from followers of the ARG Presents channel, not the Amigos channel. Don't be confused. This is the ARG Presents channel on Twitch. Uh, Aaron streams on it all the time, continuously, can't not be beat, cannot be stopped. Uh, once it's, a week. It, once, <laughs> it, it's it's once more a of, of a free form, uh, we're just going to play what we want, you know, we don't want to clutter uh, the Amigos channel with our nonsense. So this is a out in the open, come have fun. We've got viewers playing games with us all the time. We hope you come and join us. Yep. ARG presents on Twitch. We're going to be pulling a random follower, free to follow people. Just go in there and click it. And and that person's going to get added to the wheel. There you Plus, go. Plus, our... Second way to get entry this week onto the prize wheel is to send us an email with a piece suggestion. I know some oh. of you guys have done this in the past. We are going to be taking this week anyone who sends us a wheel piece suggestion. It can be anything. It can be systems. It can be uh, you know developers. It can be random topics. You know games that only have that can't have the letter Y in the title, anything it's all, it's all in the, uh, up in the air. And you can email those suggestions at ARG presents at mail.com. ARG presents at mail.com. And we will be taking a random person who sends us an idea and they are going to go up on the prize wheel. Folks, if you ever wanted your best shot, that's it. The best shot right there. Email us a pie piece suggestion. Take you two minutes. Maybe you'll get on the prize wheel. Maybe you'll get yourself a Dragon's Lair Mini. Free of charge yeah. outside of maybe VAT taxes, which I have no control over. Oh, now, let's just to reiterate or uh, to go over it again, the uh, Twitch channel is ARG Presents All One Word. And the email address, once again, uh, you can use this email anytime to uh, give us suggestions to badmouth this to send us pie pieces. It's argpresents at mail.com. Yes. And there you go. Excellent. Number two this week. By the way, just in case somebody asks, how are you randomly picking these uh, these folks? 
I'm giving everybody a number and yeah. going to a random.org, putting in the parameters, hitting the button, and that's how I'm getting them. Random number generator. Very good. Very that's good. It. So, with that out of the way, last week we randomly spun the wheel and we made the exciting deal. Uh, and it came up, our Retro Rewind piece. This week we're going to be taking a look at Games Bam on the, on the Nintendo Virtual Boy. Yes. Now, me and the boat took a look at the Virtual Boy way, way back. Uh, it's been a long time. I mean, that shows you how long, because Boat was only here for like the first, what, 16 episodes or so, something like that. Uh, so it's been a while. This is Brent's first go-around with this thing. Brent, what, what, what are your thoughts on, on the Virtual Boy? I was lucky enough, I did not own a Virtual Boy back in the day, but I was lucky enough to be uh, incredibly close friends with people who did own a Virtual Boy. So I have extensive play knowledge with the Virtual Boy back in the day, uh, including the game I picked this week, which we'll go into. But let me tell you, Aaron, uh, the Virtual Boy, it, it was flawed. It's obviously a flawed system in a lot of res- a lot of ways. Uh, not so much from a hardware perspective for us uh, when we played uh, me and my buddies back in the day, but positioning to see inside of the virtual boy is such a painful experience uh sitting on a table trying to to balance it on your face we ended up back in the day our method of play was to lay on our backs and set the virtual boy on our face and that was the the least (laughs) painful method for us to play virtual boy for any extended amount of time uh, so wait a minute. Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You're telling me yeah. you would lay down on your back. That's correct. Okay. On the floor, prone. Yes. Like, you know, and then you would put the virtual boy on your face. That's correct. Like, yep. How did you, did you strap it on you? And if you didn't move a lot, you could kind of balance it there. And, so and you balance the virtual boy on your face. Yeah. And then you had, and then you use the joystick in your hands. That's correct. Yes. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. That, and the thought ever, of that, it fills you, me with delight. Have you ever used a Virtual Boy, Aaron? I have, but I had to stand and all that crap. I didn't need to... I didn't need, listen, there's no game that's going to have me do that. Well, that is good. It, it... Looking... Putting it on a table and kind of peering inside was just so much strain on your neck and back. And uh, we, you know, we wanted to play these games. You know, screw that take a clearly 15 minutes we wanted to get in there and play some games and uh this was the method that we found that we could play for the longest because at the end of the day now my some of my buddies would get would get ill playing the games uh they couldn't take the 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 3d effects and the uh that kind of perception and they would get headaches from it i never had that problem my problem was always just bending down and even if you sat this thing on a ton of books and got it up to face level or got a short chair or whatever you want to do it never worked for us because you still no matter what you do you still have to lean forward that slight little bit and putting that strain on your neck for you know we would play for hours was just brutal absolutely painful experience and it's unfortunate that uh, the Virtual Boy ended up being too heavy uh, due to putting lead plates, or not lead plates, but metal plates inside. 
Uh, yeah. Though they had metal plates inside to block interference because they had all, you know, there was a lot was of different. misconceptions. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. lot of misconceptions back in the day about the Virtual Boy, which obviously did not help it. Uh, it was destined to fail anyway because of what it was. And and to try to... I mean, they didn't really play this off as a portable system, but they also kind of did. And, and what a joke that is. But it was just so heavy, you had to do something to... Uh, uh, make it function. And for us, like I said, laying down and putting it on our face was the easiest way to go. You know, when you used to use, I'm assuming at some point you've used that stand that it has. Oh yeah. yeah. And the, and the funny thing about that is because effectively you're the virtual voice sitting on a desk or something in front of you and then you lean into it, right? Have it on the stand. And it always reminded me of what it felt like when you went to the eye doctor and they would put your face in that thing and blow the, the, the air into your eyes yeah, to, to whatever. Just to, I don't know why they did to be cruel. Whatever the reason they do it, and you're right, leaning forward and 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 then trying to play a game, it just feels like absolute doom. Yes, you know. And I will say, <clears throat> and I never thought about this, but you're and you're a uh, you're a, a VR guy. Yeah, and I'll get I'll I'll get to his review later. But uh, our our buddy uh, Matthew Perrone actually played this game with his Oculus Quest. Yes, you know, with yep. and VR, and he and he expostulated on its awesomeness. Yeah, uh, that would probably be an awesome way to play these games is to be able to actually use those. And so that's something if you're into the Virtual Boy, that may give this thing an exciting new life uh, to uh, because at its core. It's clearly a fairly powerful system. No, it's not. Uh, to- it's a terribly weak system. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, the games on it, I think, are gra- graphically impressive. Has they have nice music and stuff? No, so it, it seemed like it. It seemed like it had a lot of jack. Uh, no, it's uh, painfully. It really. It's painfully under underpowered, and, and it was. You know, they they found this technology. Nintendo did not come up with this technology. They they licensed it, and. Uh, the guy, the the company that they licensed it from, shopped this around to lots of people, including Sega, a- and all of them were like, "No, we we cannot see anything that that this works with." And uh, you know, eventually, when Nintendo saw it, they were like, "You know, we can do something with this." And when they believe, really this, got this in was- there. Uh, yeah. it, it did not. <clears throat> it did not work the way they wanted it to. In fact, they at at one time were like, you know what? We should just do sprites on this, just only sprites. And that was which a lot of the games ended up that way. Uh, but you can't really get that three D feel with sprites. So, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think there was a yeah, mis. This- it was mishandled from beginning to end. This was famously. Uh- Gumpay Yakoi's baby. Well, uh, that's we, that's we, not totally true. He was definitely on board, but he wanted to push <clears throat> the whole system in a different direction. Uh, his vision was to have a wearable Virtual Boy that had the motion controls, where you you could you know turn your head and it would turn the the screens with you, and that'd be cool. Be a far <laughs> more virtual reality as we know it today. Uh, yeah type of thing unfortunately the technology uh was not there the the sizes that they needed to make this stuff work plus nintendo was really really worried that people were going to play this and get ill and they you know that's why they, they added, were right 
That's why they <laughs> added that metal plate uh, to to block some of the inner the the interference from getting to people's heads and, and eyes, and, and that all turned out to be kind of crap. Uh, I mean, yes, little kids shouldn't wear it because there is a possibility if one of the screens is misaligned that it can mess with their eye development. You know, kids under seven. But when the media <laughs> got a hold of that, they completely blew it out of proportion. Uh, was the health risk real? Yes. But, I mean, it's the same kind of health risk you get with anything. Uh, you know, if you're watching enough flickering on television, you can have bad times. So the health concerns in that regard was really overblown at the time. And that I think that really, really hurt uh, some of the sales. But at the end of the day, uh, this was not what Nintendo really wanted. And it's unfortunate that they couldn't do what they really wanted. And of course, they've played with 3D since, uh, both with the 3DS and with the uh, little cardboard thing that you put together and you can you slide your switch into it and yeah. it gives kind of a, a, a Google goggles type experience. <clears throat> Nintendo wants there to be a virtual world, but they have publicly said many times that they will not venture back into the realm of 3d consoles until it is, you know, far past the technology, even we have today. So We'll see. This was a very ambitious of Nintendo, and actually, I, ver- I very much salute them for trying something new. Nintendo, for all of their games being very samey, uh, they will certainly go out on a limb for some of their hardware stuff, and I do salute Nintendo for that. Yeah, it's funny that they they often use older, slower hardware on their new show, on their new consoles, but they they occasionally will just go bananas, especially with their portable stuff. And I think this thing, even when it came out, I was impressed. Now, before we move on into the games, I want to talk to you getting back to the thing about motion sickness with this thing. Uh, sure. Is that something you saw of our headaches? Did you the did you and your buddies with your wacky technique? I mean, was that a problem amongst you that you guys that played this a lot? Yeah, almost everyone experienced <clears throat> headaches after extended play. Uh, I I recall being able to endure it the longest. Um, but also, I'm someone who, if I get a headache, I, I, I will probably keep playing anyway because I'm an idiot. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that was that was seriously a problem. Now, you know, one of, I just uh, Mitsuyama asked, and this is a good question, so I'm going to bring it up. How convincing to you were, were the 3D effects when you're using this thing in real life? You can play this at home, and we'll get into that in a minute about and play this. But I mean, you're you're losing the depth and and whatnot. Obviously. Absolutely. Uh, very game dependent. Uh, a lot of games for the Virtual Boy did not take advantage of the true 3D feel. A lot of games just had uh, levels of depth where yeah. you could tell something was in the background of the system uh, without really being able to see or have a, a way of perceiving the space in between. I would compare uh, it sort of like it's a, in some ways it's like the 3ds is 3D. So, I mean, uh, some of the some of the crummier <laughs> games they would sort of just like you would have a you would have a distant layer you could tell what it was but it wasn't necessarily like a re- virtual reality type effect. Absolutely. Yeah. Now when games did it right, uh, it did feel like you were peering down into to a point to where you could not see any farther, uh, and it, it could do 
decent depth of virtual reality. Uh, is it like we see virtual reality today with the the, the Vive and the Oculus uh, and the Index? No. It, it certainly didn't give that type of feel uh, because it's one color. You know, you have to still have detail. Now, the depth was there. The depth was fine, but it did not, it, you could not experience the same uh, feeling of VR just because the details weren't there. Yeah. But I, for depth, it was, it was a very uh, good representation of what could be done with VR. The depth was really there when it, when they wanted it to be. I, th- I think this system suffered from when you, when you have a, a very small library, like, like this uh, virtual boy did, the duds stand out and also the people that just kind of ha- phoned it in and you can yeah. watch like the, so a lot of these games uh, and, and Nestor bowling is a perfect example, but there's a lot of them where they, there it's, it's just a game that's red. And like some games, like I saw a puzzle game where they would just flash some crap in the background that gives it some sort of depth, but it's not, that has no bearing on the game. When, you know? and, and, and when you have games like that come out on your new system, it, that, that just makes it look lame, real lame. Now, and when it, it was when Nintendo started, <clears throat> they were trying very hard to keep the quality of Virtual Boy games high. Uh, the problems that they ran into was one: this was a new medium that people really couldn't. They didn't understand how to use it. Uh, they didn't understand how to use the depth in gaming, and that's a problem you even see in virtual reality games today. Uh, and number two the willingness of third parties to get on board with anything proved to be very low. Yeah. Uh, and because of that, I think Nintendo had to kind of go away with some of their, we're only going to let the top quality. Of course, um, that's always Nintendo's spiel, right? Yeah. Nintendo quality seal of approval. Uh, they, they were really trying to keep with that, with the virtual boy, but it ended up that they needed games so I think a lot of stuff slipped through that they wouldn't have let through otherwise. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you on there. And I'll tell you one thing, just as a, someone who was around as this thing was marketed, you would see commercials and stuff where the ad campaign sucked. And you would see that this thing, and I know you may have a thought on this, but the fact that this and this game was, this thing was in monochrome, it just looked dated. I mean, I don't care. You can't, so that was here, you're trying to market a monochrome system that you really have to wear to for people to understand what it's like. And so when you show commercials for it, you just see this very ugly red monochrome screen that doesn't look good at all. And then you see the actual console and there's a little stand. It's real alien looking. It's just it was it was a turnoff right across the board. And so you could you would wonder if from a marketing perspective, when they got hold of this thing, just trying to figure out a, an ad campaign would be almost impossible. Because it, with the exception of having someone come and play it, you can't really, even if all the games were top shelf, you would have a hard time getting people to come look at this thing because it just doesn't, it looks dated and weird. You know, you're, it's, you're absolutely correct. Way. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And that is a problem that vague, that plagues VR even today. Yeah. Uh, people, and, and what's even worse about today's VR problem is people will pick up cheap solutions, you know, slide your phone into this cardboard yeah. thing. And they think, well, this is not worth, you know, X amount of dollars. And virtual reality is an expensive field to get into. But when you get a real headset 
with a real hardware behind it, the experience that you can have is revolutionary. It's really something that you can't experience any other way. And you can't tell someone that you because they have a preconceived notion in their mind and nothing can break that outside of using the product. So at the end of the day, virtual the Virtual Boy uh, really had a bad uh, bad problem with it, and virtual reality today still has a bad problem with it. Very it would, good. Any tech that you have to experience to understand is a tough sell. Yeah, very well said. Well said. Well, that was that was a more intellectual conversation than I'm used to. We better get out of this. Let's move <laughs> on. So we were tasked with picking a couple of Virtual Boy games and giving them a whirl. Uh, and, of course, we, me and Bo had picked a couple before, so we picked new ones here this time around. Brent, I'm going to let you lead the dance this week. Show the folks what you picked out. I went with Red Alarm. And this, Aaron, is a polarizing game within mm. the Virtual Boy community. Uh, it is either loved or hated, depending on who you ask. Red Alarm, at its core is a uh, almost Star Fox type game where you pilot a spaceship that is not free roam, but it's not on rails either. Uh, you are confined to corridors and passageways uh, and it, in half the game boss arenas, but you have free motion within this environment, uh, meaning you can go up, down, left, right, forwards, backwards, at your own pace. <clears throat> the game never forces you forward. Uh, and right away, what you need to understand about Red Alarm is this game was so far beyond what the Virtual Boy could do. It's amazing that it was able to do what it did. Uh, the the folks over at TNE Soft, who actually developed the game, uh, the, it was published by Nintendo, and it was a launch title for the Virtual Boy back in 95. Set out to, to make something new. <clears throat> and they really wanted to make something new. So they pulled their, their pieces together. They had actually made a uh, wireframe game on the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, that is absolutely fantastic. Or the game is okay, but the technology in it is absolutely fantastic. It's worth checking out uh, if you can find it. And they they took what they learned from that and they kind of brought it into Red Alarm. Uh, they wanted to have a detailed world. They wanted to have uh, free motion. And they wanted to let the player kind of go at their own pace on how they wanted to complete it. Now, all the boards do have a time limit, but that is more to assure that the uh, player is always trying to move forward. You can't just hide in a corner while you're avoiding enemy fire. And what you got as a result of all this is a wireframe game. And now, Aaron, I know that uh, we obviously are okay with wireframe in most cases. We, you know, with the Vetrix and yeah. uh, games of the 80s, a lot of games tried to do this. Red Baron really comes to mind as a game yeah. that was ahead of its time in the arcade. And uh, that's sort of what you kind of get here. Or Star Wars. Correct. Now, the issue 
with Red Alarm is they tried to add too much, de- in my opinion, they tried to add too much detail to the world. And what I mean by that is, for example, in stage three, <clears throat> you are underwater and it, going through a canyon, but you can go above the water. And so you're, you know, you come out of the sea and now you're flying above it. But the water lines that that are above you or, you know, that are now below you, it's a neat effect, but it adds so many lines to the screen. And it's got waterfalls that you go through. So you have lines moving down to signify a waterfall. And if you lose focus of what's going on around you, you get completely lost in the game. You get completely lost in the game world. Uh, and then everything just becomes lines. And when that happens, now it's over. Now you start running into walls. And thankfully, they were smart enough not to have your ship take damage while you're doing this. Uh, but it, then it gets confusing and you get lost and you don't know what's a wall and what's a passageway. And they have you trying to fly to, through tubes. And, you know, what's a, what's a tube you can go through and what's one that you can't go through? The, the enemies and the bosses in this game are tons of wires. So what is a boss and what is a background feature? They actually have uh, enemies that are attached to walls. Is that a, a, a feature? Is that you know design or is that a bad guy? So it's very confusing. It's, you can get very lost in the experience. However... And I played this game on an actual Virtual Boy. This is one game. This was my favorite game for the Virtual Boy back in the day because the 3D effects in this were amazing. The draw distance sucked, and that was a limitation of the Game Boy. But the depth of this game, it was something you can only do with wireframe based on the technology at hand. Uh, And it was absolutely amazing. As long as you stayed focused and you knew where you were in the space you were flying, it was an incredible experience. Now, Aaron, I'm sure you gave this a spin uh, the 2D way. What was your yeah. feelings on the game before I go on a little bit? Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. First of all, this to I, when I started playing this, I thought to myself, you could put this on the Vectrix. Yeah. If, if if the Vectrix could handle it, yeah, there'd be a lot of looks- lines. This looks like a vec- like a real super jacked Vectrix game. Yeah. I think a Vectrix version would be superior in some ways. I'll tell you why. With Vectrix's lower processing power, I think this game, you nailed it. It is overly complex. You can tell that these guys r- wanted to put something out there that they could hang their hat on. But what they did was they jumped the tech. Because you you're right. Uh, for for one thing, your your little fighter had controls. It's got all kinds of controls uh, to move it. I mean, it, I, I'm guessing this thing uses every button on the stick. It does it, because I know for certain. I I, I use probably uh, eight buttons or, or six buttons to control this thing because uh, you've got you can move sideways, you can jet forwards and backwards, you can shoot your missiles. It's got a lot of different c- controls. So once you come to grips with that, it, and it's got a. Uh, Remember we talked about uh, descent a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, this this has almost this isn't as uh, this is easier to control than the descent craft. But I mean, you're it's, it doesn't force you to go anywhere. Uh, but but the downside of that is without having a steady roll and a clear path forward, 
it's so easy to run into the walls and stuff because you're seeing things behind the walls because yes. the walls are wireframe. And I can tell you, I never got, never sniffed the third level of this. Uh, I had a, I just couldn't perceive what was happening. And so it, uh, what that often led me to do is just repeatedly hit the walls. It was frustrating. Part of it, I think, is the fact that here I am playing this on a 2D monitor without the benefit of the, the, the actual depth perception you would get from a virtual boy. Yes. And I'm sure that would help you <clears throat> tremendously in a game like this. This is one of the few virtual boy games I've played that where I think they actually really, this is the direction I figured they probably wanted to take the virtual boy to a certain degree, not necessarily with wireframes, but I mean, this is sort of like, I can see, I'm sure this gets compared to Star Fox and stuff quite a bit. I mean, it, if you've made a wireframe version of Star Fox, you, I could see it being a little like this, you know. But overall, the shame of it is a game like this, which is probably a real high quality game, is the, really the the the, uh, the 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 difficulty of playing it makes it uh, almost unplayable. Now, I don't know. Obviously, you said you played this on an actual Virtual Boy. How, did it with the actual hardware? Was this a? I'm assuming this is a much, much more playable game, or was it slightly more playable? No. In, in fact, I would say the playability is about even. Really? Because at the end of the day, the depth. Now, it's a much more enjoyable game on actual hardware. Yeah. The depth, uh, which you just you can't get in a video clip uh, or, or emulation uh, outside of. VR emulation. Yeah. Uh, the depth is is really good in this. Uh, you can really feel things coming up on you. Uh, and I remember I wanted to beat this game so bad back in the day. Uh, and I would play for just as long as I possibly could before my, my body would be fatigued. Yeah. Uh, and it would be frustrating because in high-pressure situations, like you said, you can move you can pitch up and down. You can you can uh, go left and right, and then you can turbo, which just means your ship just kind of burst in a direction up, down, left, and right. So it uses both digital pads on the Virtual Boy. Probably Plus, a little much, right there. By the way, I'd no, say that's no, I, I think no, because the movement was very important important to the dev team, and they wanted to have that feel, that control. And it does give you an exceptional amount of control. But what it also does is put you in a mindset of, okay, I can do this. I can thrust left and right really fast to dodge enemy fire. And you start doing that. But then you get lost in the frame. You get lost in the in the wireframe world. Because now where you were is not where you are anymore. And if you don't really focus on the environment to see that you have now thrusted behind a wall you're just going to keep running into that wall and you're not going to understand and yeah. it, it, it's that makes the game very frustrating i cannot deny that makes the game very frustrating yeah if you have a mindset and that's this is another thing you really have to concentrate on this game because the moment you don't know where you are in space you're done. Your 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 enjoyment is going to be dead, and it can happen fast. It you can. can. You, can, you, you know, one thing I want to ask you real quick. Again, I, I I had a cup of coffee with the ritual, but you had played it a lot. What was your opinion of the controller 
for that thing. It was an unusual controller for a Nintendo device. What? How did how did you feel it did with this game and with games in general? For this game, it was absolutely spot on because it had all the controls that you needed. With a lot of games, they just used it as a Nintendo pad. Uh, up, down, left, right, two buttons. And uh, it shows how ambitious uh, Red Alarm really was because they wanted you to have, you know, they wanted a complex game. They wanted this game to have a certain type of feel. Uh, reviews of the day, Aaron, reflect exactly how people feel about it looking back. Uh, the game goes next generation, a very uh, well thought of publication, one out of five magazine. stars. One? one out of five. Wow. That is uh, harsh from them. Now, uh, GamePro, also a, a fairly respected magazine, four out of five. GameFan, 95 out of 100. Wow. E EGM, <laughs> seven out of 10. Uh, you know, it, it, and that shows. Some yeah. people get it and can, and can handle it and, and can experience correctly, and some people can't. And that's not saying that one person is stupid or bad and the other person isn't. It just shows that this is a very polarizing game in the way that it is handled. Um, it, and it's unfortunate. It's something that I wish people would experience before they decide that it's a crap game. Because this often gets ranked among the worst games ever on Virtual Boy, and I think that's unfair. I, oh, I absolutely think that's an un, that's unfair because there are some real duds on the Virtual Boy. So I'm not actually putting this game over when I say that. You know, I think this could have been a missed opportunity. Uh, I think they if they would have set this uh, more in a more open environment, maybe in space or on a planet top, uh, exclusively and, and less in tunnels and whatnot, where you've got less to, to have convolute in the screen, I think you might have had something. Because, I mean, there have been plenty of great space shooters that use ve vectors that were in 3D. Again, I go back to your... I go back to a game like Star Wars <clears throat> uh, that that pulled it off quite nicely, and, and now it had the benefit of color. But, yeah. I mean, I've played it on. I've played Vectrix versions that work fine, and and Black Hole. So, I mean, it can be done. I think this was probably just a little too ambitious uh, for for the uh, actual uh, uh, Virtual Boy. Um, now, one thing I want to say, Aaron, is yeah. I would actually not recommend emulating this, uh, but. If you have a Virtual Boy, I recommend buying this. It could be had for as little as $10 up to about $30 is about the, the common price range. Uh, if you have the actual <laughs> hardware, I think this is a, a must own because it, oh. it shows off the 3D of the system like nothing else. Mm. We did have a, uh, a, believe it or not, we actually had a uh, Discord review on this. Uh, Matthew Perron writes in, uh, he says... Uh, that game made me think that Descent and Star Fox had a baby. Yes. <laughs> Fun game, but I thought the rendering distance was too short and it was hard to navigate the levels. I found myself shooting constantly and not caring much about getting hit. Got to level two, but my eyes were hurting, so I stopped. Still had a blast, seven out of ten. You have to really be into a game to play it until your eyes hurt. Yes. I, say I like that. <laughs> dedication. So, uh, and again, 
uh, Matthew was playing this on the Oculus Quest, and he recommends the uh, em- the uh, emulator for the Virtual Boy. And I think that yeah. I like that. Like I said, and I wouldn't mind seeing the Virtual Boy. I don't know if it's got any sort of homebrew scene, but that might be kind of neat to get one going via the uh, Oculus. It might be that might be kind of a interesting twist. I've now, obviously, if you can em- obviously if you can emulate this in VR, that's thumbs up. Definitely give that a shot. Did you say you had done that? I have not done that. Uh, I, unfortunately, I was ill this week, so I just had to play this through 2D emulation, but I vividly remember this game from my past. So I will say, playing this while ill, not good. Yeah. <laughs> not a good. So, well done, Brinster. Well done. Uh, so, I guess I'll take a go of it here. You know, I went the more conventional route, I will admit. I looked over these. I almost picked that god-awful Waterworld game, just so I could put the bad mouth on Waterworld. Uh, but I thought better of it. And I was also surprised when I was flipping through my uh, list of Virtual Boy games, all of a sudden here's a Mario game I never heard of. And so I went with uh, a game called Mario Clash, Brent. Mario Clash. Now, yes, uh, Mario Clash was developed by a Nintendo R&D, of course, uh, and uh, produced by Gunpei Yokoi. He was involved uh, in this one. Uh, this was released in Japan September 28th of 95, and the rest, and in North America, we got it October 1st, 95, so shortly thereafter. Um, I've, I've played a lot of Mario's, and I've heard, I think, of most of the Mario's, and so when I came across a Mario I'd never heard of, I was stunned. So I'm assuming that this thing just isn't, does not get a lot of word of mouth just by the fact that it's on uh, the Virtual Boy. Now, I looked into this a little bit. Believe it or not, this game started out as a, as a basically a, a mini game that was going to be in a game called Virtual Boy Mario Land, which was a game that never never came out, apparently. Uh, and eventually, uh, the Nintendo announced that they decided to spin this off into its own game. And there was a demo shown uh, in 94... And eventually, sure enough, it came. It, it came out. Uh, this game is probably, I would say, this is probably, with the exception of maybe the uh, CDI games, probably one of the least played Mario's in all of them, including stuff like uh, the educational Mario titles. I mean, this one, like I said, I'd never Absolutely. heard of. It. I've been around the block. So, what is this game? Uh, this is an interesting title, and I should start by the open of this game. You know, every Mario game after a spell had a crazy open. This opening starts off with a tower that stretches above the clouds, and a, and a zeppelin drives up, drops a bunch of guys off who raise a flag, and then the camera pans down through several layers of clouds. I mean, this is a, a technological wonder, an architectural nightmare, this tower. It's just a long tower that goes up forever. And for whatever reason, I guess the people that invaded the tower, Mario's pissed. He solders up to the door, and the door opens up, and you get this sort of a th- you follow him behind a sh- behind the shoulder three D view that reminded me of the way you uh, Lionheart opens when you it kind of zooms in, and then you start the game. Uh, one of the things about Mario Clash that's different is that it you can start on any of the levels up to level forty uh, when you play it, so you can actually go in and instantly start at the hardest level, uh, and that's because there's really no ba- battery backup or anything, and no save game. You just you play. And, you, and that's it. You move and you move along. So uh, if that could be a benefit to you or could not, it depends on what your you know what your attitude is about getting you know, be able to go to different levels. So when you play this Mario game, don't think 
like Mario Land or 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 uh, Mario uh, Super Mario Brothers three. This is much more like Mario Bros, uh, the old arcade classic, than it is any of the other Mario games. <clears throat> in this one, you control Mario, and Mario is in this like I'm going to call it a sewer. Uh, I guess would be the best way to put it. And it's multiple. It's basically two long platforms, one at the top in like in depth and one at the bottom that are connected by tubes. And as you go through this game, the the layout will come a little become a little more convoluted as it goes. And then amongst uh, all these tubes and platforms are enemies. <laughs> now, the enemies change as you go through the game, but at, towards the beginning, you get mostly turtles, spiked turtles, or whatever those spiky guys are that have like a bunch of spikes. You get a lot of those. And the object of the game is to basically clear out all the enemies. Uh, how does he do that? Well, Mario can run along and jump on the turtles and then grab them. And once he grabs them, he can throw them and knock them off. Pretty standard Mario stuff. But there's a big difference in this one. And the difference is, and it took me, I'll tell you, I played the first couple levels of this and I was clearing guys out. And then I got to the point where I could not get past the level. I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? <clears throat> well, what I was doing wrong and I didn't understand is Mario in this one can't can only not only can he throw the turtle shells left and right, he can throw them basically in depth. He can throw them across the chasm to the other side and hit guys. And you have to do that. That's really that's the game in a lot of ways. Uh, and so what you're doing is you're he's pitching these across the chasm. Uh, to the other platform, and he's and that's and he'll knock guys out that way. Uh, the chasms are are joined by pipes, and so when Mario goes in one pipe, he comes out on the other side of the chasm on the other platform, and that's how he gets around. That's how the bad guys get around. <clears throat> Effectively, on the on its most basic level, that's the game. Uh, yeah. From there on, uh, what happens is your enemy your enemies ramp up. They get they've got a pretty good selection of Mario enemies in this. They've got the usual stuff you would see, uh, and then you've also got stuff like those. Uh, what are those caterpillar guys from Super Mario Brothers Two, Brent? That <clears throat> that stack up two or three segments tall. They're yeah, in they, there. They're the cacti. Yeah, yeah. The ghosts are in there. Uh, if you if, uh, after a while, uh, so there's you know usual Mario enemies uh, that you will come across, and it's always the same thing. You're just trying to bash them with these turtle shells. Uh, if you're watching this on the video right now, this is a, a coin bonus stage. I would call this a lame bonus stage i was i guess the gimmick here is the depth of this that that's supposed to add to the to the uh experience this game if you played this on an actual virtual Boy, which i never have brent did you get to play this on an actual virtual boy at any point i have yes you have okay good excellent i'm gonna get your input here in a minute so you may ask yourself what makes this a virtual boy title well there's really it's not much i mean th this can be played without too much trouble on an on a flat screen here's where you'll run into difficulty uh, the, uh, the, the the there are two little platforms that appear above your main platforms and that's where you fall when you when you start the level and those things you've got to remember they're there and they don't really seem like they fit where they're at and I'm guessing that's because <clears throat> that you don't get the depth perception that you do. Uh, when you play this game with the Virtual Boy. And so you'll often run in. I, I found myself running into those or jumping while I was under them, and you can't do that. Uh, it won't work. And so that is a problem. So aside from that, and I should also mention that the tubes that get added that drop the turtles and stuff, they're up and they're higher than the rest of the levels. So you have to get up there sometimes. 
and that can be a chore again because you're forced to jump into this into these in these areas of depth, and it's they're hard to judge on a flat two D screen, and so it makes playing this game that that element of it makes playing this game a little more difficult. Eventually, I got used to it. Uh, once you've played it enough, you can understand where those are, where they, how they, how to use them, how to get up there. But jumping and and jumping with that depth is kind of screwy. Uh, did you have any trouble with this uh, when you played this on the flat screen, Brent, versus the uh, Virtual Boy? No, and the reason is uh, the the 3D in this is is very gimmicky. Uh, yeah, it it, it uh, did what so many games of the era did. And it just had a a foreground and a background, and that was the 3D element. That was the virtual element, um, which is fine, I guess, uh, for this type of game. But it, playing this in 2D it is just as fulfilling as playing it in uh, the 3D world. I mean, that that doesn't make it bad. That doesn't make it good. It's just the depth is there. I mean, you it feels like yeah. that's you know, farther away from your perspective, right? Um, but in Red Alarm, just thrown back to the game we just previewed, you know, you could do a first-person perspective, and then things really felt like they were coming at you, and they were, you know, they were approaching your character. This is a fixed camera angle, and then you're controlling someone in a 3D space. Yeah. Uh, it's just not as interesting. And... and Yes, I mean it's kind of like ooh, look. I can. See, it feels like there's you know depth, but it doesn't make the game exciting. I, I found the game fun, <clears throat> and I will say this: you can pick. I shouldn't mention this. This game actually has uh, like ninety nine levels. You can pick yeah. from the first forty. Assumably, once you get past that, you're on your own. Uh, but uh, or I think they they may unlock. I never got past the first forty, so I don't I don't know. Uh, it may just unlock them as you go. So there's more depth than just the early, than just the first forty levels. So there's that. That's nice. But I mean, first of all, you can't go into this thing. This is not a traditional Mario, Mario title. So you've got it right there. That's kind of a bummer because I think a, a traditional Mario title in this game would have been would, on a on a virtual would have been kind of fun. I think Nintendo probably could have come up with some pretty neat stuff to do uh, on it. Uh, but so what you're stuck with is Mario Clash. I hate. To well, say you know that. why they I mean, didn't, right? I'm assuming it didn't sell well, and they stopped now, doing. They stopped development. They yeah. did not want to take the uh, show the 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 thunderous uh, applause away from Nintendo 64 Super Mario uh, 64, and yeah. they were one of the reasons why they didn't make a 3D game. Of course, the Virtual Boy couldn't have handled it either, uh, but. It's been said in interviews that they knew the Nintendo 64 was coming out. They knew Super Mario 64 was coming out. They didn't want to steal the thunder away from that release because they really needed a big launch tile for the N64. And, of course, it was. That's one of the most revolutionary video games of all time. Uh, And and they didn't want to uh, bet on the Virtual Boy in a way that was going to hurt their main console. So that's one that, reason that why made, they made a basically a 2D game, Mario They made game. the right call. They made the right call because, I, I mean, as much as it would have been interesting, they, you don't want to, why waste it on this if it was if this thing's a dead? I will say, you know, I think there's fun to be had. 
in this one. I mean, it's not going to blow your mind. I mean, it's not like it doesn't require an in-depth look. There's just not a whole lot to it. I mean, you just play it. Uh, I will say after you die and when you put your high score and you get a big, huge picture of Mario's face and it looks good. The graphics just look good. The music's pretty good. Uh, I'm surprised that someone hasn't just taken this and colorized it and just released it somewhere. I mean, you could easily, this could just be its own game without a whole lot of trouble. I don't see, you know, there would not be, and it, there is some fun here. I mean, I will say it's, maybe it's a little bit of a one trick pony, you know, yes. I mean, it's, you know, uh, but I mean, if, if along the same lines as Mario Bros, I mean, Mario Bros is sort of the same way. It's almost, it's a, it's sort of a one trick pony. Uh, it absolutely it's a trick. is. Yeah. You know, it's a fun trick. And so I, I dug this. Here's the problem with this game, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, the As a Virtual Boy title, this is crap. It's, it's garbage. As a Mario game, uh, as an, if this was in the arcade, it would have been absolutely fine. It would have been a, probably a 7 out of 10 game. Right, ramp up the difficulty a little bit because it's it's really easy for Add several players. Yeah, uh, yeah. but when you're putting a a game based on virtual reality onto your system, uh, that l- literally could be just the same in two D. Uh, that 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 shows that they're not committed to the gimmick, and they weren't committed to the gimmick. That yeah. Obviously, uh, there's so few games on the Virtual Boy that take advantage of it being a, uh, you know, virtual world, a virtual system. And this is certainly not one of them. And because of that, you know, I, I, I kind of look down on this game because what's the point? Why release this? The only thing you're doing is you're putting a Mario game on a system. And I think that's a uh, uh, an unfortunate event for the Virtual Boy that that happens so often that I think it really led to the downfall. If they would have had games that took that risk, like Red Alarm did, uh, you know, maybe maybe you don't get every hit, sure, but you know, this doesn't do anything to show off the capabilities of the system. It, it's it's very unfortunate. Well, I mean, all that aside, I think if you're playing this in 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 2021. This is worth a play. Give it a shot. I mean, yes, it does not tax the Virtual Boy or you know flex its muscles, but as a game, it's not bad. But you know, one thing, <coughs> excuse me, one thing we can talk about, and I'll close with this: the the overarching issue with a lot of the Virtual Boy games. If you've ever been, if you were a fan of an old show called SCTV, they had an act on there. It was called Dr. Tongue, and, and Dr. Tongue, used to he always used to star in these 3D films. And the 3D would consist of Dr. Tongue walking up to the camera, let's shake hands, and he'd go like this, and you'd hear, and he'd be like, how about a drink? And he'd stretch it in the camera like this. That's what it feels like Nintendo was doing here. It's like, it's sort of 3D. Let's do everything we can to sort of, look, it's just like, no, it's not. It was, and so when you get hokey like that, that's no buys, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. We did get a review on on the old uh, Mario Clash here uh, from our good buddy, uh, Matthew. And he writes, uh, never heard of this game before and was pleasantly surprised. Catchy tune, classic Mario Bros action with a 3D twist, great depth effect, very challenging, 8 out of 10. So he had a, he had a positive uh, slant on this. Now, uh, 
the other publications were sort of much like yours. They were kind of all over the map with this one. Game Fan gave it a, a 75. Uh, Nintendo Life. You'd think Nintendo Life would give you some love. 6 out of 10. They buried it. Nintendo Dojo, 8 out of 10. EGM, 7.125 out of 10. That's very exact from EGM. <laughs> Next Gen gave this 3 out of 5. Uh, and so there you go. Now, one of the things I saw in here was like Screw Attack said this was the second worst Mario game of all the times, Brent. Uh, and uh, thank God for Mario's ho- or for Hotel Mario to still be King Dong in the bad Mario games, which I, actually Hotel, <laughs> Hotel Mario is not that bad. You know, I mean, I don't think I would. Well, it's put- bad for a Mario game. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not as good as this. I don't think so. There, there you go. But uh, yeah, this this sort of got buried. Uh, by by a lot of people, especially after the fact. This is one of the ones that people posthumously buried after it was already dead. So yes. if you feel froggy, I think this is a, a, a decent title to try out. And clearly this must play better in virtual reality uh, because uh, Matthew sort of gave it the high sign. Do you have any, well, any I mean, parting thoughts on the system, Brent? Well, I mean, on, on uh, Mario Clash, if yeah. you're interested... Go emulate it. You're not going to be offended. Yeah. You can certainly play this in 2D and understand what the game was all about. Uh, if you have the ability to play this in 3D, uh, virtual reality-wise, you will get that depth. And it, it, it's a neat effect. It just doesn't necessarily add anything to the game. So, yeah, give it an emulate. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't recommend buying this one. I, You know, because it doesn't show off the, the power of the system. But there you go. Uh, virtual Boy. I would, you know... I, I don't think I would own a Virtual Boy just because if I ever wanted to play Virtual Boy games, I could emulate them uh, through virtual reality. But, uh, you know, it was ambitious, and I give Nintendo credit for that. You know what else is ambitious, Brent? What's that? The wheel. Oh! It's the wheel. That's right. That's what's ambitious. Come on, get on board with these transitions, my friend. This week, Brent, we added... Uh, to replace Virtual Boy in our Retro Rewind segments uh, thing, we've got the Sega SG-1000, which is another system me and Boat looked at a long time ago. Are you yes. ready, the Brent, here? Yes. Got a, you got a you got a pick? You want to predict a, a winner here? Uh, uh, no. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, that's the wheel grunt, the world-famous wheel grunt. And the winner is, oh, man. Funny games, Brent. Games involving big humor. That should be all right. That's a, that is a wide open category. I like do that. You, I like that. Do you have? Do you have any? Are there any rules to funny games? Is this any system from any point in time? Absolutely. It, it's a. It's a all skate. It is uh as long as the game, the central theme is humor based. Uh, mm. I think we're on board, and no, you can't pick Three Stooges. Let's just go ahead and get that out of the what? way. What? But <laughs> you just buried my choice right there. <laughs> Fine, I love that. I won't pick anything I've previously looked at on another show. Which, well, by the way, yeah. got worst game of the year that year. I was uh, I was appalled at the Amigos listeners for that one. They buried the, that game. The the load times on that game were just atrocious. Take off. So. Uh, next week, funny games. Brent, any parting thoughts before we put this one to bed? Real quick reminder, if you want to uh, try to get a, a piece on the prize wheel spinning for the mini Dragon's Lair, you can go and put a follow on ARG Presents. That is all one on word. Twitch. All one word. 
or and you can do both. Don't feel restricted. Uh, email us at argpresents at mail.com with a wheel piece suggestion. Next week, we will randomly choose two people, one from each category, and have their name added to the prize wheel. Very good. And by the way, we're we're out of pieces for the wheel. This will this is it. So we could well, you may get your piece instantly stuck on as they had a bonus. And if you don't get picked for the prize, we're gonna still use your pieces. That's part of the fun. So that'll I think that'll take it to the house, Brent. Good job yes. this week. You thank I'm glad that you played this thing in the past so you had a real good idea of what the hell was going on with it. Uh we'd like to say hi to everybody in chat. Thank you for turning out. And uh, we will try to do better the next time. Until then. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Ram, W. Vetke, Rolo, Olaf Hope, Anthony Jarvis, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, The Slow Morris, Frodo NL, Steve Rackmason, Bernhard Lucas, Chris Folds, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Dave Velociraptor, Retroology, Hermski, Rauchy, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, and Mr. B. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay, too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.